Welcome to the Adult Cannabis Enthusiast Podcast, where we have mature conversations about cannabis and pop culture. If you're looking for an alternate way to listen to us, we're currently available on Apple, Google, and Amazon Music Podcasts and Podcast Addict. If you want to hit Cam and I up on social media, I run the Twitter, he runs the Instagram. We're available on both of those platforms at A Cannabis Pod. My name's Joel, and I've been consuming cannabis for about 25 years. And my name's Cam, and I've only been consuming cannabis for about two and a, a bit years now, um, since Canadian cannabis legalization in uh, 2018. So uh, for this week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, cannabis and social media. It's kind of like a big topic, but something that in Canada has kind of evolved quite rapidly over the last few years since sort of since uh, legalization had started, then uh Cannabis influencers were popping up everywhere, and there was a, a little bit more of uh, more room for discussion on these platforms with cannabis, I think. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, before we get into that, though, my friend Joel, what is on your rolling tray for this week? Well, Cam, on my rolling tray this week has been not very much because I have not actually rolled all that much in the way of joints this week. As a matter of fact, I only smoked one joint this week, and I did that last night. Oh, beautiful. What did you smoke? Uh, well, a little bit of the uh, cultivar that we're going to be covering uh, for our review this week, the uh, Karma offering from Dunn Cannabis was the uh, the sole joint that I smoked this week. And uh, it's not like I wasn't consuming cannabis. I was. I just was hitting the vaporizer the whole time. So the one notable thing on my rolling tray, so to speak, is the bud cups that you gifted me, my friend. Uh, I know we talked about this in the previous episode that we released, but uh, I just I've been using it non-stop it has just been a uh, a go-to for me since having that so uh, i just wanted to say i i've been thoroughly enjoying the experience with these and anybody who's a pax 2 or pax 3 user these bud cups are, are essentially uh, a little metal capsule that you can pack your bowl into and, and it's a much more cleaner way of consuming your cannabis in the packs and uh, you have you still been enjoying yours absolutely man i I I picked up uh the the bud cup case and it's a pack of six of them and most of the time I'll will have a few of them loaded up and uh, quite often um, towards the end of the evening there's like five cups that have just been discarded onto my coffee table that are full <laughs> with vaped weed in them. <laughs> I use them all the time and I've, I've really found that they've upped the enjoyment of my packs since I bought it uh, around Boxing Day. This was the one thing, the one accessory that was missing for the packs for me. And uh, so this definitely filled a need for myself. I've, I've really enjoyed them. Anybody who has a PAX 2 or PAX 3, I, I recommend checking these out. It took about two weeks for them to show up in the mail because they did get uh, shipped from Eastern United States. But uh, I think that they're a, a worthy accessory for the packs most definitely i i like i said it, it's been wonderful uh, it's it's had pretty improved airflow it's been an even cook of the cannabis that i've consuming now the one thing that you had mentioned to me was you said that the company recommends that you up your temperature by 10 degrees and i found i actually didn't end up changing my temperature at all because after you had mentioned that i was like oh i don't think i, I tinkered with that at all and i haven't really noticed much in the way of change but i think i found that i've been 
hooting on the bowl a little bit longer than I normally would so that at the end, my, my cannabis is a little bit darker than when it was before. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what that kind of translates in uh, into the way of my AVP, uh, which is another thing that I wanted to mention. My I've, I've reached the point where it's that time of the month for me where I, I need to put my AVB into oil and, and get my uh, Joel's patented sleep remedy together. So uh, I'm going to be doing a bit of infusion later today. Uh, but other than that, um, a lot of the usual suspects uh, into the cannabis rotation, uh, a lot of the karma that we're going to be covering this week. So we wanted to make sure to give that a good thorough uh, analysis. So I got uh, knee deep in, in karma. Uh, and I, I can't say that I'm upset about that because uh, it's great. But we'll talk about that soon enough. Uh, a little bit of the, the orange bud from Apothecary Botanicals. And uh, some of the meat breath from Gnome Star Craft. I know that's probably going to be hitting an upcoming review, but I just I can't keep my fingers out of that jar. It is fantastic. So uh, more to come on that in the future, I'm, I'm certain. And uh, last but certainly not least is something I don't talk about very often, but I've been enjoying a little bit of CBD uh, lately. So one of the CBD strains I've been enjoying is uh, uh, the uh, Trombla offering from Afria which kind of makes me chuckle about their, uh, it's got to be something they're selling on their Quebec brands, but uh, it's a treasure island and it's just a, a higher end CBD. I think it rolled in around like 18, 19% CBD and uh, another one that's kind of tasty and fruity, um, but really nails the CBD category pretty well. So that's what I've been into this week, man. How about you? What have you been smoking? For myself, I have had one very notable cultivar that I've been enjoying over the last week and a bit, and that has been the Wedding Cake from One Leaf. I purchased this off of Shelter when there was a sale on Boxing Day, and um, it was kind of just something I had thrown on there because uh, I needed to meet a minimum order of the 100 bucks for free shipping. and uh, so I, I wanted to get something that I wouldn't normally buy and would probably be like a one-off, like treat yourself kind of purchase. So the the one leaf wedding cake was what I decided on. I hadn't had a wedding cake strain before. I hadn't had anything from one leaf. This price point is a little bit higher than the other craft cultivars on shelter market. So I think it runs for 43 bucks for an eighth, which was kind of why I hadn't really gone to it. That $3 for some reason is like a break for me. It's a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I won't push that extra $3. But with the 20% off sale for Boxing Day, it was it was enough. Holy shit, is this stuff good? If you're really? a, a craft connoisseur out there, I definitely think that you should check this out. The lineage is Triangle Kush and Animal Mints. And mm. uh, it comes in a nitro-packed tuna can kind I of thing. I was going to say, doesn't, I think it comes in a tuna can, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah it comes in a little nitro-packed uh, tuna can. And uh, within mine, I had one big chonky bud that was probably... I don't know, about a, a gram and a half to two grams in itself. And then a couple average size ones within it. This was like a very big, super stoned strain for me. Wasn't functional at all. It came in at 25.68% THC and uh, a little bit over 3% terps on it with the uh, dominant terps being caryophylline and limonene. This was like right in my wheelhouse for a strain. It was, it was cushy, uh, super stoned. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I have to say, if you're a, a craft uh, connoisseur out there, this is definitely definitely something that should be on your radar. I, I really enjoyed it at least. I got to pump the brakes here before you, before you continue because you used the C word and I'm not sure if you were privy to much of the social media chatter on Twitter this week, but it looks like the owner of Calyx and Trichomes trademarked the word chunky. 
chonky, did they? <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. There's there's receipts. Go it's go check on the on the Twitter account. It's it's pretty funny actually. But, that is actually so hilarious. I, I don't know. I so, they, that could be trademarked. That's kind of funny. Maybe we need to acknowledge clicks and trichomes every time we use the word chonky now, but uh <laughs> just a word TM. to the wise. <laughs> TM. Yeah. That's oh fuck. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I was not privy to that, so that's something that I missed on Twitter last week. Anyways, this uh, wedding cake from One Leaf definitely worth checking out if you're a craft connoisseur. It is more expensive, but I don't think that you'll be disappointed with the quality or with the high from it. Um, outside of this, I just had a couple other things that I wanted to chat about. One, I wanted to give an update on my Redican medical prescription. Oh. I haven't ordered anything from Med- uh, from Redican yet, mainly because they're their minimum order requirement to obtain free shipping is somewhere in the area of $200 for a minimum order. This has been a big barrier for me because normally I order stuff like a hundred bucks at a time. So, uh, and I don't want to pay 14 or $15 for shipping if that's just not going towards my medicine, you know? So yeah. So I haven't ordered anything from Redican yet, $200 for a minimum for, for, to obtain, um, Free shipping seems just like a lot to me, especially because their their weed is a little bit more affordable too, at five fifty to six fifty for a gram. So you have to buy quite a bit of weed to meet that two hundred dollar minimum <laughs> order too. Probably a few months worth of weed for me. So I've sent them an email, kind of as a suggestion, just to be like, hey, this is something that you guys may want to rethink if medical cannabis is is something that you are looking to 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 continue on with and to improve upon i haven't heard anything back from them so maybe i'll i'll report back on that in the future but it's something that i'm looking into if they were to change their minimum to a hundred dollars to get free shipping i would probably be putting in orders far more regularly but uh yeah um if you're looking to to get redican as a prescription um just just have that uh well just be aware of this that uh, the minimum order to have to obtain free shipping is around $200. And I think that's a little ridiculous. I also wanted to give a little update on the mouthpiece uh, bong filter that I have. I've been using my bong a lot more recently. And so I've been going through the filters a lot more. Previously, I was nailing about one per week, but now it's been closer to like two filters per week. I I put in an order to mouthpiece for a whole bunch of filters. I think I bought like a hundred just because I was like, "Ah, fuck it. I'm going to go through these. So I might as well order them. It, uh, it cost me about a hundred bucks to get a, a hundred filters, which is somewhat affordable. I think my lungs will, th- will thank me in the long run. This isn't something that I'm looking to move away from because I, th- I think that filtering out all of this carbon, all this oil gross shit is, is beneficial, especially since I haven't been smoking as many joints lately. So just for people who are looking to purchase the mouthpiece, depending on your usage with the bong, it may cost you between like, I don't know, 70 to a hundred dollars a year just in filters. But I think most people who consume via the bong quite often may think that that's worthwhile for them. So the last thing was kind of just something that was funny. Haley kind of pulled like a power move on me this week <laughs> when, when I was uh, loading up a bong toke and I thought it was fucking hilarious. So normally uh, Haley and I, we consume cannabis uh, together. So when I load up a bong bowl, we'll, we'll share the bowl. So uh, the other night I, I loaded up a bowl, uh, went out and uh, had a little pull off of like the side of the bowl. So I didn't torch the whole thing. And I kind of like yelled to her. I was like, hey, Haley, like it's ready. If you want to come and have a, a toke, like we're all good. She comes in. I think she was busy. So she kind of like torched the whole bowl, fucking like one hooted it and then just took off. Cool. <laughs> I was kind of like, what the fuck? Like, 
But she just she just powered down the rest of it. Yeah, took it all back in one shot and said, "Yeah," and then walked away. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I kind of looked at her. I was just like, "All right, I guess I'm just loading up another one." Respect. I think she was like busy with something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "That was a fucking power move." I thought it was pretty fucking funny. I had to load myself up another bowl afterwards. But, anyways, that's not generally something that uh, I think is. Uh, applauded <laughs> but uh, i thought it was funny nonetheless but that's all for me i kind of droned on there for a long time but uh i'm ready to get into our cannabis and social media topic my friend how about you yeah absolutely i'm, I'm looking forward to this subject and uh i think you know we we've had some some recent uh, examples of of things that can go good and things that can go bad in the social media world and i, I think from, from our own personal perspective it's it's been really interesting kind of getting a chance to connect with the cannabis community from social media. And and maybe a good, a good starting point is just to talk about some of our own social media usage and, and what we do for ourselves and maybe what we do for the, the stuff with the podcast as well. So given that I, I'm an old guy, let, let's maybe start with you. What's what, what, what is your, what was your entry point for social media? Like, where did you kind of get your feet wet with that? Hmm. Are you talking like right from the the very beginnings of of when social media first started coming out or? Yeah. Well, what's your first, what what was your first account? Where did you first have a a social media account with? Was it like, were you, did you have a a, um, MySpace account? I didn't have a MySpace account. (laughs) No. Um, I remember in high school, there was this website called Nexopia that was kind of like an early version of Facebook. So I had one of those, but uh, very early on it was, yeah, it was just to, uh, social media usage was was just to uh, interact with my friends outside of school, more or less, and just keep tabs keep tabs on each other and just like share funny shit. So I had an Xopia account, I had a Facebook account. I didn't really get Twitter or Instagram until after I was in high school. So this is this is like. I know early 2010s, like 2011, 2012, like that kind of area is when I had Instagram and and Twitter. For me, generally, like social media, my social media use has really evolved over the last few years. Uh, personally, I don't use it very much outside of Twitter anymore, just because I do find that it's not exceptionally great for my my own mental well being. <laughs> But uh, I do really like using it for the podcast and I, I do enjoy Instagram for the podcast. Like I, I don't normally use my my own personal Instagram as much anymore. And when I do use Instagram, it's primarily under the podcast account now. Um, but it's yeah, kind of taken over, right? Like we've we've alluded to that before our the podcast social media accounts have sort of kind of become our own our own personal ones almost a little bit yeah i still use my own personal one but i i don't post on there ever i kind of just like browse on there i i really like goaltending equipment it's been a big a big hobby of mine since i was a young kid just uh like keeping up to date on goalie equipment trends like what different nhl pros are wearing and what like what different people are wearing and stuff like that there's just cool color combinations and stuff with gear it's really cool so my own personal instagram account is mainly just like a feed of weed and goaltending equipment (laughs) nice so i like that but uh but yeah my my own personal use like it used to be just to keep tabs on my friends and stuff like that it's kind of evolved now for facebook my facebook use is just primarily messenger i have a bunch of different messaging groups on there that i that i talk with but i don't really use facebook myself i do peruse twitter just for like your average news but i don't i don't i try not to get sucked into there too much and then yeah i've talked about instagram i don't really use much else for social media but uh how about yourself like what do you what did you what was your social media use like before 
before the podcast happened? Before the podcast happened, I think I think I have a long history with social media because I think I partook in things that were social media maybe before social media was a thing, even on its own. Okay. So uh, in the early, early, early days of the internet, when we're talking like dial-up modem shit, um, there were things called BBS boards where you could like have conversations with people and communicate and stuff like that. So I would I would think that would be my my early kind of experience with social media in in my kind of where where I grew up where like internet became kind of like a thing where people could get it in their homes like probably when I was in mid high school so like 15 16 was when like friends of mine had the internet I don't think my parents got internet till I had moved out so um it wasn't like always that accessible but I I I did have experience with those BBS boards message boards and stuff like that early where you could like post and have conversations with people and then like live chat rooms and stuff like that I think those are kind of were like an early sort of social media place as well so a lot of experiences in those early days but in in terms of what we've come to know it as now I think MySpace was probably my first one I think that's what it was called the one that was like popular before um Facebook if I'm you can correct. No, me. you're absolutely right. Okay. I never had MySpace, but uh, I was aware of it. That's for sure. I had it briefly. I don't remember how long or if I even posted to it regularly. I think I tried to blog on it like once and then I never did it again. So, I mean, I think MySpace drove me nuts because it you were forced to listen to like music on people's pages. And I just I had no fucking time for that because, you know, um, I don't always want to listen to whatever weird death metal band that's underground that I've never heard of that you you want to share with somebody on your page. So I think I was kind of happy about uh, about Facebook not including that as a as a forced feature where you had to listen to other people's music that they were posting. So Facebook was probably my first like real consistent use. Uh, it was neat. I remember people I worked with were doing it. So I want to say this is around like 2006 when uh, I first kind of signed up with Facebook kind of became a good way to just stay in touch with uh, friends and family. I think maybe in the earlier days, I was a bit younger, so it was maybe sillier on there. And my Facebook use has kind of decreased to like basically nothing in the not the last three to four years because I just I just don't care. There's it's it doesn't interest me. And there's nothing that seems to get posted there that's overly positive. So aside from a few um, groups and group chats, I think my Facebook use is just kind of there in case I need to stay in touch with family, but I don't often use it for that purpose necessarily i i'm very similar in that respect yeah i don't post on facebook almost at all when someone does tag me and stuff like that i normally remove the tags almost immediately because i just i i don't want to be i don't want to be active on there no i don't i don't think that facebook is a very good social media platform anymore i think it's uh I think it's pretty toxic. No, I just I just didn't enjoy it. And we, we kind of made the choice not to put pictures of our daughter on Facebook. Just the not for any like nefarious reason, necessarily. I know some people do it because they're like, oh, what if a pedophile looks at pictures of my kids? Or it's not something I'm concerned about. But it, it was more like the idea of consent. It's like and I, and I say that like with the qualifier that I don't judge anybody. If you like posting pictures of your kid and you're happy with it, good for you. That's fine. For me, it just seemed that. I would be posting pictures of my kid for me and not for her. And if she didn't have a way to kind of consent to the process in an informed way, it just didn't make sense for me to be able to post pictures of her. So we've made a conscious effort to keep our uh, our daughter off of social media. Uh, and that has had some impacts because we, we live far away from family, right? So they would 
it's it's easy and convenient for people to engage in your life from afar via social media and if if they're not presented with that alternative they just may not engage with your life right that's just how uh, a reality of it that we've learned so i i think what i'm ultimately saying here because i've digressed a lot is that i'm i'm conscious in my social media use right i'm careful about what i use twitter was something i came to a little bit later i didn't get it at first because to me it was just like a series of facebook status updates but i think if you look at twitter in that way you're, you you don't get it uh, and once i got that twitter was sort of an an ongoing like worldwide conversation something kind of clicked for me and and i i, I liked it a lot more I have a Twitter account, but I don't really use it. It's it's locked. It's private. I don't really post much on it except to retweet stuff for the podcast. The podcast has sort of become my own public Twitter account. There's lots of cool people I get to engage in and stuff. So um, that's kind of where, where my use, my personal use is, is, is very, very little other than just keeping a line open to family and uh, doing that. I don't have an Instagram account myself uh, or uh, TikTok or anything like that. Just the uh, the podcast Twitter account is sort of is sort of my jam, and I feel like uh, as a a man, a white man in my forties, I can stay in my lane there. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't normally tweet anything out or even really post that much on my own personal accounts anymore. Uh, I just don't have the time for it either. Really, like they're. These, We're busy. these platforms are yeah these these platforms are big time wasters yes but my time wasting generally comes from just scrolling endlessly through instagram and, and through twitter um whenever i'm kind of bored or whatever but I'm, I'm trying to decrease the amount of time that i spent just endlessly scrolling because uh it's obviously not productive in almost any capacity uh most of the stuff that i'm i'm looking at isn't isn't educating me there are things that are but uh most of the time it's it's just i don't know uh, frivolous kind of stuff. So I, I've been trying to take a more uh, focused effort to uh, keep off of those things in my spare time. Well, I, th- I think it's a good idea to have some kind of focused effort or some kind of strategy when you're looking at your social media use, because it's so easy to kind of get trapped into the doom scrolling. And like you said, it, it can have a negative impact on your on your mental health. And for me, I think my... my um, understanding of Twitter expanded when I started to think of it more as an information network rather than a social network and that it was just a place for me to be able to get info and then I can look at it with a grain of salt and determine how, how valid I think it is um, and compare it to other things. So if you're constantly bombarding with that information, well, a lot of the information hasn't been great the last few months. So <laughs> like it's, it's kind of, I mean, even like, let's say a good year of, of scrolling through that information has been eating like eating a steady stream of shit. So putting some limitations on that is, is very important. And um, I think a good way of focusing that energy in social media has been through the podcast account. And that's allowed me to enjoy engaging with social media and with people because I'd love to sit and have a conversation about cannabis all day online, but uh, I can only handle so much um, QAnon. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Um, It seems like these platforms definitely turn into an echo chamber of sorts, but they'll, they'll let these pieces from outside of your echo chamber penetrate within it just to kind of rile you up and keep you, keep you there. I don't know. But I I think, I think that is maybe a nice segue in that cannabis social media, or maybe specifically I'm talking about Canada Twitter here more so than Canada Instagram. But it is a bit of an echo chamber or, or a bubble, if you will, 
in terms of the things that are being talked about and the kinds of conversations that are occurring there? Yeah, and there's a lot of positive conversations that have been spurring from this. I I do find that I appreciate, well, not appreciate, but I do get more information from cannabis Twitter than I do from cannabis Instagram. Yeah, cannabis Instagram, I find the um, there's lots of pretty pictures, <laughs> but the the information, not that is necessarily lacking because there's educators on there who are doing a really good job. But uh, it just seems like Twitter lends itself for that in, that engaging conversation Whereas Instagram is more of a show and tell, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. No. And that's, uh, that is something that I really appreciate about Twitter over Instagram is that you can have a conversation. And I think the discussion is really where a lot of the exchanges of information happens, you know, whereas like Instagram, like you said, it's show and tell. Here's something, here's some information about it. We can discuss a little bit in the comments, but it's not really, it's not really a discussion. You know, <laughs> most of the time the comments are just like, Oh, that looks awesome or something like that. Thank you. Not, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, liked, exactly. I liked the thing that you posted too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I think the Twitter has a lot of good information out there for patients and for cannabis consumers. There's a lot of very intelligent people having conversations about relevant topics within this community daily. And uh, it seems like there's a lot of people out there who are um, almost like creating topics of conversation just to, you know, bring about some kind of uh information that they've been thinking about or, or, uh, just something that they've been like mulling or something, you know, and just, uh, using it as like a, a way to get a little bit of collaboration within the community. Absolutely. And, and there's a, there's a lot of that. And there's a number of people who are doing a really wonderful job in creating engagement within the community of people wanting to have their conversations. I guess my point about it being a little bit of an echo chamber is that I think there sometimes is a tendency to focus on that conversation that it's occurring on Twitter about cannabis and speaking about it as though it is reflective of the market writ large in Canada. And I don't necessarily know that that's the case. Uh, I think there's been some real interesting comments from retailers lately who have been talking about the different things that people are purchasing, right? The things that are, are being bought during the pandemic, the things that are flying off the shelves aren't necessarily always the things that we talk about on cannabis Twitter or the, the, the cultivars that we get excited about. From my understanding, the things that seem to fly off the shelves are the stuff that does the trick and is cheap and the stuff that is new and exciting. I, well, I, I guess that that kind of makes sense in the grander scheme because, you know, especially during a pandemic, people are, are conscious about uh, their economic situation and they want to make sure that they're they're getting the most bang for their buck. So maybe they're buying some of those budget ounces and things like that. And then what's new and hot? People always want to hear, oh, what's what's hot off the press? What's the new the new strain, right? Like what, what's your dealer selling that's called Cryptocrown to Crundelac or some shit like that, right? <laughs> some kind of weird fucking new name that you're so ball rider or bull rider or whatever the fuck that one is, is floating around right now with no vowels. And, and even that, right? The, the whole um, people shitting on cannabis marketing for not having any vowels. Do you think they're the people in uh, the general public give a shit about something like that? Or are they no, just like, does it get me high? Yeah. How much well, does it cost? It, yeah. Well, that that echo chamber does kind of make you think that uh, what our views are of the cannabis, uh, well, Canadian cannabis landscape, it, it makes you feel like those are what are well, those are are very popular. Or you may think that 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 your opinions are are very reflective of other people's purchasing habits. But uh, 
there's a large portion of the of uh, the Canadian retail market for cannabis that don't give a fuck about cannabis actually. <laughs> there was like a really hilarious image that went around Twitter, I want to say a month or two ago, and it was like a chart that listed all the different terpenes and what their aromas were smelled like. And in, on one side, it was cannabis connoisseur, and on the other side was the uh, the average person. And on the, the cannabis connoisseur side, it was listed all the terpene names and the different description. On the right side, everywhere, it was just weed, 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 weed. So I, I feel like there is an element of that in what that what we talk about within the community on social media doesn't necessarily have that uh, reflection of what's happening and what people want to buy. Uh, and, you know, I felt like that was a really good time for some introspection, too, about how much that happens to us ourselves. Right. And like, how much do we get caught up in like a, a hype train or get pulled into that that excitement about something? And uh, I, I like to think that maybe that we're we're conscious of that when it occurs. I mean, I'll fully uh, uh, raise my hand and acknowledge getting on board with the the Black Cherry Punch and being in love with that. But I mean, it was also some damn fucking fantastic weed. But at the same time, we've had this experience and somebody posted about this on Twitter and I can't remember who it was, but about going into a cannabis store and asking for all the types of brands that we talk about in the cannabis community, right? So like the stuff that we're always talking about, like North 40 and Habitat and Gnome Star and Dunn. The new micro cultivators that are like bankable at this point. Exactly. And then getting like blank stares from bud tenders. And we've had that experience before. And we've talked about that on, on very early episodes of the podcast about how our frustration with uh, bud tenders not being aware of like who's, who's who we should be selling at this point. But I bet you that they know who Aurora is. Yeah. Or Tweed, maybe, right? Or um, Houseplant, let's say. So I, I think there's a gap between what we're seeing there. And like, I don't know where the problem lies. Is it because microcultivators are smaller so that they're, they're not everywhere? Uh, or is it that the education needs to improve at the retail side? Is it more than that? I mean, could it, I mean, it could be a a bunch of different factors but i just i I think ultimately what what we're kind of saying is is that take the opinions of the cannabis community online with a bit of a grain of salt because that especially if you're someone who's in the business because we may be spouting off about the cannabis and the quality of it and what our opinions are of it but i don't necessarily know if that translates to uh your profit and loss statement at the end of the day no Um, but i i think that there is um a bit more of the retail side of this on Instagram, I think, versus Twitter. Okay. I, I feel like uh, maybe the the population on Twitter that at least that we're a part of or the community on Twitter that we're a part of, like the review community and stuff, we're always talking about like quality cannabis, hopefully some budgetary options that are also quality cannabis, you know, but uh, most of the time we're talking about like the heavy hitters on shelter, like these these really great uh, micro cultivators who are putting out quality products every single time. But maybe on Instagram, there is a little bit more of the retail side of it where these uh, stores are pushing the big corporate products more because that's just more in line with, with their business. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's really that much like that's credible there, but from at least from the Instagram side of things, I do see a lot of the stores that I uh, that I follow. They they push the products that they have in store, and most of those are big corporate weed products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, there's also a lot of places, and we don't see this at least 
not locally here in Kamloops, BC, but there are like corporate owned stores, right? Or corporate owned stores who have like bought out retailers and, you know, are, are they have to carry a certain amount of the corporate weed product right so I, I think there's there's that element of it too if if all if all that's available is that corporate weed that's all that people are, are necessarily going to know and they maybe don't have that awareness because of the cultivators but if they engage on social media social media is a way for people to connect with a lot of these micro cultivators right and i think in in our own our own personal experience we've had a lot of fantastic interactions with some of these companies in, in social media yeah, well, they seem to be very forthcoming with information, which is great because some of them, yes, <laughs> some of them, yeah. Well, the good ones. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like there is quite a few that are very yes. forthcoming with information, right? And I think that that uh, transparency is very big. It it does a it does contribute a little bit to brand loyalty, like we've talked about in mm-hmm. previous episodes here. Yeah, I I agree. The engagement with the community, well, the engagement with these with these cultivators is great. I. I really appreciate the interactions that we get to have with uh, shelter. Like being a patient of shelter has been really nice because their their social media teams are doing a great job of advertising new cultivars that are coming onto the site. They 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 promote different sales that are coming up and and stuff like that as well. So it's always kind of cool because we see what's coming into the store, which what's going to be fresh. And uh, we get like a kind of like a good idea of what that cultivar will be like before uh, we're even able to purchase it. Like I, I do appreciate like that kind of engagement, knowing like what's coming and what's going to be fresh is always important. And you don't really get that on the retail side of things because, well, I don't think these stores are necessarily as up to date with like what's new coming in and stuff like that as well. So it may be a more of a gamble on, on knowing what's fresh with those other uh, retail stores. Yeah. And in, in shelters area, uh, these people know, right. They have their ear to the ground. They know what's coming. They know what they want and they go and get the goods. So I feel like there's that extra layer, but I think you're right in terms of their social media team being effective in that they're really quick to Uh, respond to feedback in action any feedback and i don't just mean people being like hey this thing sucks or i didn't get the product i wanted or this thing's broken but i mean something like hey you guys changed up your website and this search feature is gone and then the next day they'll be like oh hey sorry we've got it back now yeah so i mean you don't always get that like kind of quick and what feels like a genuine response it's not just that auto corporate response of hi so and so thanks for your feedback please send us a dm you know like that everybody every major company kind of responds with so creating that creating that genuine kind of interaction is very meaningful on twitter and and i mean in social media in general i shouldn't just say on twitter and i think that leads itself to some of that brand loyalty that you were talking about and creates those those positive situations and and opportunities for people to want to engage with that company Mm mm-hmm for sure. Like that, yeah, the engagement is, is huge, especially because with uh, with all these regulations that Health Canada has imposed, like th- there's not a lot of avenues for these companies to provide information to us. They don't they don't get to advertise the same way as other traditional companies do within our, our uh, business landscape, you know? So them being able to effectively use social media as a tool to create some engagement and uh, to create a little bit of buzz about their products is, is pretty important. And uh, having that customer relations piece there is in place is pretty important well and just for us as consumers and patients to have a direct line to access people if they're willing to engage us now i know that you had mentioned reticant earlier and and in terms of you communicating them 
with them from yourself as a patient. And I know that they're kind of notorious for not engaging on social media, at least particularly on Twitter with people that they're just very kind of silent and kind of do their own thing. And maybe they're a very successful business. So maybe that that's works quite well for them. But I think for us as consumers and patients, it, it's very meaningful for us to be able to have that kind of access and be able to have that kind of interaction with LPs. But at the same time, I, I also kind of understand why there may be some reluctance to do so, right? Uh, social media can be a bit of a minefield. And if you don't nail the tone correctly or your response correctly, or how you address feedback correctly, things can go off the rails really quickly and not end up well at all. The way that I kind of think of it in that sense is that there can be many kinds of different interactions that you can have with NLP and social media, and they can either be good, bad, or ugly. And I feel like the ugly one is the one that you want to avoid uh, at all costs. But I think the majority of the situations and interactions that people tend to have are good. It's just that the bad and the ugly ones are the ones that kind of stand out a little bit more, right? Because people don't get riled up about a good experience most of the time. Yeah. Well, there's an extra bit of emotion in there. The ugly ones. There are a lot of companies that do really well with uh, their good interactions. Like we've mentioned Shelter here. They're doing great. Traditionally, North 40 is a brand that's that's used social media effectively, you know, they've been very forthcoming with information to their patients. They've been very transparent with issues that they've had with their growing. They use it as an opportunity to reach out to patients and accept feedback. Organize um, Zoom calls with patients and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly, you know, but uh, I think that they had a little bit of an ugly interaction this past week that kind of put all that in jeopardy a little bit. Yeah, this week there was a bit of an interaction with Gord and, and an individual who uh, took issue with some of the things that Gord or someone that Gord had followed on on Twitter, and that ultimately ended up with a, a really negative interaction through DM from Gord to this individual, and it kind of spread out throughout the community. I, I don't know that I'm in any kind of position to make any commentary on the interaction that take place that took place and how things went. Specifically, I mean, there's never a situation where it's a, where it's a okay for a, a company to um, make threats to somebody, uh, even if it's misinterpreted or anything like that. And I think it's a difficult situation, and we'll kind of wait and see how this kind of get resolved gets resolved. Because yeah, there's some things ugly. there's some things you can't do, and it was just really a really ugly situation. I don't necessarily know that we need to go into all the details of how that went down, but just basically there was a, a negative interaction between Gord and someone who had some issues with him, and uh, he took it too far. And we'll see what happens. is is basically legitimate. So I think one of the one of the things that this really illustrates is how dangerous. It can be to have these interactions and, and you can see why some companies may be reluctant to engage because they're concerned about saying the wrong thing. And basically you can torpedo any goodwill that you've generated by having positive interactions if you hit these bad and, and ugly situations. This ugly situation, I mean, you know, a, a company looking like they're making threats to somebody over DM is is worrisome. Um, I think a, an example of a bad situation might be that uh, Delta 9 thing with What's My Pot. 
Yeah, that was that was just such a strange situation. And for people who are unaware of what had happened, uh, a few months ago, What's My Pod had reviewed something from Delta 9. Um, and we've reviewed Delta 9 products on this podcast before. But uh, What's My Pod had reviewed one of their products. I believe it was Space Cake or something like that. And uh, they had said something to the effect of it being urinal cake um, <laughs> and that it was uh, like unsmokable. It was poor quality. And, and um, instead of accepting feedback, back delta nine was just quick to block what's my pot on on twitter and then it kind of spurred the what's my pot faithful to come after delta nine afterwards yeah what's my pot has a pretty big following on on social media and there was a bit of a spartacus moment where a bunch of people were were down to block delta nine and it was just an example of, of handling something poorly and i think their social media manager did an interview after where they were like well we'll unblock them if they apologize and then there was this whole like kind of backlash about you know attitudes toward reviewers and, and how we should accept feedback in something like that well that's you know mishandling feedback and not responding appropriately is a bad situation but that's different than like you know actively going after someone in dm who didn't didn't tag you in twitter it's just that there's there's a lot of interactions and and people need to be careful if you have personal feelings about something you definitely shouldn't be using a company account you should be coming from your own personal way but like we said I, I don't know that I can really comment on the nature of this as a white dude. I am not in a position to judge any indigenous person's experience and, and how they interpret an interaction with someone. But from what I've seen, I think uh, it looks like we have to wait and see how things are going to respond. I don't know that I'm ready to put North 40 on the don't buy list for myself. But like I said, we just got to see how how things kind of play out from here. From what I've seen in the past from Gord, I, I'm pretty confident that he'll make it right. Yeah, he seems like a quality individual. This this seems to me like it was a mistake. Well, it absolutely was a mistake. But I, I, I'm also a little bit hesitant to bring out the pitchforks as well, because he did build a lot of good faith beforehand, you know, and I, I, I would hate to see all of that hard work and uh, good customer relations kind of just go to shit over, over one mistake. It was a hefty mistake to make. I must say like, this was absolutely intolerable behavior, but you know, it's people do make mistakes and I think that there should be mechanisms for redemption. I, I can't really comment further than that, but but yeah, I, I have similar thoughts on it as well. And, and all I can say is, is that I've had personal personal interactions over social media and in like a couple of Zoom calls. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that that things will uh, will move in in a good direction and we'll just kind of wait and see from there. But I think Cam and I can speak from our own personal experience in terms of the positive aspect of interactions on social media. And I don't just mean necessarily interactions with uh, people who are growing cannabis, because while that's been cool to be able to interaction, interact with people, there's also an element uh, of those interactions that are there, right? I mean, those people want us to buy their weed. Some of them want us to talk about it on our podcast. Um, some of them don't give a shit and that's okay. So there is uh, an element of uh, context to those interactions, I think. The thing that I like the most is when we get to interact with just cannabis consumers and people in the community. And that aspect of cannabis and social media, I think is just by far the best part. 
yeah, you can create an online community and, and there has been one created through Twitter, through Instagram, through all these other various uh, forms of social media. And uh, especially during a pandemic, just having that little bit of uh, connectivity is, is really nice. Um, it's been really nice to, to talk with different people in the, in the cannabis community. There's a few people on Instagram who I admire that are, are much better at content creation than myself. <laughs> and uh, I like hanging out with them and chatting with them and uh, chatting with people who, who listen to the show and, and follow us on here. That's always great as well. I get a lot of feedback and suggestions from people on there. And I really appreciate that. It's just cool to, you know, yeah, feel like we've made a bit of a community here. You know, we've definitely made quite a few friends since we began this podcast and, uh, Hopefully we're going to make many more too, you know, on, on Twitter, it seems like you have a quite the network of people that you've developed. I, I think so. I just, I've just gotten to chat up a lot, a lot of really interesting people. And, and like you said, during a, a pandemic, getting to connect with a community like this has really been a boon. And I don't know that either of us ever really understood or, or thought about that. I think uh, initially we both created these the a cannabis pod accounts on twitter and instagram because we're like well we have a podcast we we probably should promote it on social media <laughs> and that was maybe the motivation for it but then when once we got there and once we started seeing the community and being able to to talk to people it it opened our eyes a bit of of, of seeing that community building and that possibility of like friendships and connections more so than just a place to be like hey this is our podcast come check it out because i think the people that listen to the show that have interaction with us on social media, you, you see that in, in what we're doing. We try to be ourselves and be genuine with the stuff that we put out, not just, just for the sake of doing it, but just the stuff that we enjoy and the stuff that we like, because some of the people who listen also like that. And if you ever listen to this show and you feel like interacting with us, and you're like, oh, I don't want to bother those guys, or I don't want to say something. We always want to hear from you. If you if there if you have an idea or a thought, if you ever want to hit us up, we'd love to hear it because it's just it is really cool to us that you guys are picking up what we're putting down, and um, we want to keep the conversation going as much as possible. But you're right. I, I think Twitter lends itself to those interactions a little bit more than what you're talking about on Instagram. That the show and tell aspect is constraining for you. But I can have a bit of those short bursts. But on the other hand, it does make it a little bit more time consuming because I'm constantly having conversations with people when I should be doing something else. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's it's cool though. Like it feels like on Twitter, you do get to know people a little bit, um, yes. a little bit better. You know, just because there is a little bit more back and forth on Instagram, you get to do the the back and forths via DM and stuff like that too. But they're they're not as organic really you know yeah. generally like the back and forths are commenting on stuff i do have a lot of ongoing uh conversations with people on there as well that are that are great as well um but yeah the the interactions are a little bit different on there most of the time uh when i'm chatting uh, a lot of the the listeners that that i chat with we're just talking about all the new weed that we're smoking and it's pretty <laughs> great <laughs> I, I love those conversations oh yeah those are my favorite right getting to talk with um other cannabis reviewers or, or people who uh podcasters people who do similar stuff that we do and, and that's been really fun um to getting getting to connect to people who do similar things and getting to pick their brains and getting to have people pick your brains and, and, and interested in the stuff that you've done and i think we've been really grateful to to get to know lots of people in the community there uh and uh 
like we were saying with those connections and communities, I think we really felt that a lot when we hit up that, uh, that Highland Homegrown podcast. And um, I believe that is launching the day that this episode is coming out. So uh, if you want to check out the Highland Homegrown podcast, you can hear your boys Cam and Joel getting interviewed on that show today. I think one of the other aspects about social media that's cool is not just connecting with like those things in the community, like the friends that we've made, the companies and, you know, some of the podcasters and reviewers, uh, but also some of the random hits that we get now. We get uh, hit up from PR companies now, which... Trying to connect us with individuals within the community, right? For yeah. For yeah. conversations and, and collaborations. Yeah. People who are in the business or people who are, uh, you know, looking to see if we can get guests on the podcast. I think it's really strange that, that we're, we're getting pitches now about people who want to come on the show. We're still kind of kicking around those ideas, but um, if you guys have any thoughts on on what you might like to see for for guests on the show, or if you even think we should have guests on the show, curious for uh, your thoughts, for, feel free to hit us up about that. But that's been a nice way to connect with people. Uh, we've gotten to attend uh, some things that are like media launches and product launches and things like that. We got to review that highly inventive book, which was really kind of neat, which I don't know that we would have maybe come across on our own. So lots of neat opportunities that we've been able to connect with 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 on social media. And I think it's it's overall been a, a massively positive experience for us that the whole um, hashtag cannabis community has been a really wonderful experience. I completely agree. Instagram's a little bit different for me. I do enjoy it quite a bit because I like the content creation aspect of it. Um, it's really fun to actually make these photos and do these like glamour shots of the buds. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like the the photos do get a little bit stale, but at the end of the day, you're trying to show a an, an organic viewing of these these buds. You know, like a lot of the glamour shots that these that these uh, big companies are putting out for their buds, they're, they're doctored and edited and stuff. You, you, and they don't look anything like the product that you, that you purchase, you know, like if you're, if you're looking at a, a bud online, it's tweeds houndstooth, you're going to have like the nicest nug of tweeds houndstooth. But then when you're going to go and buy an eighth of it, it's all just going to be shit little popcorn nugs or something, you know? <laughs> so I do really like that Instagram that, that you're able to uh, show an, an honest representation of what products look like after they've been purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do appreciate that. But, and then, yeah, like, like I said earlier here, there's a, a few drawbacks though, with just not being able to have like the same kind of uh, connectivity um, with other people, but it is a good place for you to go to as like a resource for different tutorials and for uh, visual representation of these reviews, because that kind of get gets lost a little bit on Twitter, I think. Yes. No, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Overall, though, I've, I've really enjoyed the Instagram. And like I said, I've kind of taken it over and I use that one more than my personal one. My personal one's basically just for, uh, like I said, gear, goalie gear at this point. So, um, yeah, the, the cannabis Instagram, the podcast Instagram has been uh, has been a lot of fun. I think it's been a, a positive addition to my uh, social media use for sure. Yeah. The only week that I didn't like the, our uh, social media was the week that I was on a tolerance break. <laughs> Yeah, just seeing all of the all of the good weed that people are smoking and then oh, not being growing. able to enjoy it yourself. Just or like growing. I mean, like you see people like like temp- Temple Growers picks or uh, John Grow, like all these people who are just growing this fucking beautiful cannabis that I desperately want to try. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Hopefully, we'll have the the opportunity to have some of Temples in the next little bit here. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that overall, social media is is 
great for forming communities, but there are a lot of drawbacks. People are aware of the drawbacks though, right? Like the doom scrolling, yeah. the, uh, the, there's, there's negativity there. Um, there can misinterpretation. Be misinterpretations. Yeah, there are drawbacks, but I think overall, if you like, if you have a bit of a, a measured approach to social media, I think that it can be a positive, uh, a, a positive interaction. The way that I would kind of look at it is there's like three points that you got to hit. Be smart, be careful, and get the tone right. Yeah, I think those are good rules to follow when it comes to social media, for sure. I would also maybe suggest uh, within like use, just uh, limit yourself a little bit too, because it's definitely easy to get overexposed to social media and uh, it can definitely be, it can be- definitely impact your mental health. Yeah. Use uh, with caution. Make sure you've got your finger on the uh, delete and draft button all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I think that we can get into our strain of the week now, my friend. This is an offering that uh, you've been really excited about for a few months now, I think. Yeah, well, we've been watching this one grow. Uh, What we're going to be talking about this week is Karma from Dunn Cannabis. And Logan has been just posting pictures of this since he first started planting the rooms, I'm pretty sure. So we, we've been watching these gorgeous plants kind of grow and they've looked phenomenal. So I've been, I've had the ability to kind of like build some anticipation to getting to try these plants. And of course they dropped on shelter market during the boxing day sale. So of course we had to get some and talk about it on this show. Yeah, absolutely. We both picked up seven grams of this because this was something that we were heavily anticipating for a little bit, like you mentioned there. Yeah. This uh, this karma, this is a makeup of acai berry gelato and mince 11. It ran in at 22.2% THC and a terpene percentage of just over 2% with dominant terpenes of beta caryophylline, limonene, and linalool. Gotta like that, that, that compromisation of terpenes. But boy, this one is cushy as fuck. So fucking cushy. To the point where I was like, not even confident that I, I was... Uh, is this cushy? Is it cushy? Yeah, I was just like, is this cushy? Like, like, am I just way off here? Because I'm like, it doesn't make me feel like... like the, the lineage doesn't make me think that it'll be that cushy. But it is super cushy. <laughs> Well, they're, it's it's a Cushman's cross with the acai gelato. So like, uh, I'm not necessarily overly surprised, but I mean, I opened the jar and I was like, oh, that's Cush. And uh, I had my wife give it a smell and she's like, oh, it smells like uh, your grandparents' closet. And uh, which basically I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, like if you were like, you went into like a cupboard or a closet at your grandparents' house and pulled some clothes out of it, that's what it smells like. And I'm like, okay. Um, I tried to give some thoughts about how I would describe the smell. And I mean, if you're an experienced cannabis consumer and I say cushy, you probably get it. If you don't know what cushy is, it's complicated. It's hard to, hard to put it together. I think earthy is probably the, the, the meat of it would be earthy with some floral spice. But using those words is not enough to give you what it actually smells like, I feel like. Yeah, we've we've actually done a lot of cushy strains in the last few months. It feels yes. like. Yeah, but um, I feel like we're always just like it's cushy, just it's just cush. Like, and I feel yeah, like we sound like cushy. a dealer from ten years ago or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. For me, like ap- after I put this into a into a glass jar, it kind of changed the profile a little bit. When it was in the bag, I opened it up and I was kind of like, "What the fuck am I smelling?" Like, I it it, it is a bit cushy, but it was kind of like I don't know if there was. 
I don't know what I was thinking. But anyways, once I put it in a jar, um, after a couple days, I popped it open again. And I was kind of like, this is almost like Kush Rosé, pink Kush kind of smell a little bit. Like... a little bit there's like a little bit of like sweetness to the uh the earthy cushiness but uh yeah my first impression of this was uh two thumbs up the the smell of it once it got into glass was very nice i picked up the smalls again i i i'm sorry done i don't mean to keep buying the smalls but it just was affordable <laughs> and uh you guys nailed it the first time i didn't even mean to do this on purpose so the next next offering that i buy from you guys i'll, I'll get the legit buds but uh i picked up smalls for this again i was impressed by the them again um i didn't get any heroes by any means but all of them were were medium-ish size buds and uh were the same size if not bigger than what you would expect from most recreational offerings of of corporate weed so i i can't even really say that they're smalls yeah i i mean i, I was impressed uh i got a couple chonky buds tm <laughs> tm I had a couple chonky buds in uh, in my batch i got seven grams didn't go for the smalls so i had a few bigger ones uh, i quite like the look of these ones um they were nice and, and spongy just caked in trichomes the the colors on this one were what i thought were interesting like just like the deep greens with like a little touch of purple here and there and Ugh, beautiful looking cannabis yeah little orange hairs in there yeah. um for me like the the color is kind of like almost like a pale green to me just because it's so covered in trichomes. You don't actually see the color of the bud, really. You just see all the, the trichomes all over it that are sparkling. Um, I, I do agree that the, the appearance of these was great, and I just got the smalls. So I bet the, the big ones were, were definitely something to write home about. As far as the effects go for this, where would you put this in your like use category for, uh, for this strain? Use category for this strain? I want to say... I don't want to say mood elevation because I don't know if that's necessarily right. So it's more of like relaxation than mood elevation and, okay. and cross with Superstone. So it kind of it's kind of like straddling those two for me because I felt like the strength of this one, but it was it was a different sort of experience. So for me, it was one of those ones that it felt like it it hit you in like the back of the neck or like where kind of like your spine meets your your head and then kind of like washed over my head and over the rest of me from there. So that, that was sort of like my effect. And now I don't know that it made me super couchy, but it definitely made me more couchy than some similar strains that we've tried and, and reviewed recently. So okay, it, that that's why I say the relaxation part, because I felt like I, I got a little bit into couch. Right. Yeah, I... I had it in the exact same two use categories, actually. Superstone slash relaxation, more leaning towards the Superstone for me. Mm-hmm. This was a cultivar that I was not able to be active no. on. Uh, this was something that would kill my motivation. I don't think this is a daytime use strain unless you're just writing off that day for like video games or something, you know, or if you're doing some kind of like a movie marathon or something. As me um, yesterday watching football. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that would be a good fucking day right there. Make some make some football bets or something and watch football. That sounds like a good day. Yeah, this is, um, I had very similar thoughts on this. This was something that I had a, a pretty stark buzz from. Um, I was, I was fairly intoxicated, super stoned and, uh, yeah, but there was a nice little bit of like relaxation. I felt like this kind of made me settle, you know? Um, and by, by settle, I mean, like I would settle into a comfortable spot on the couch and I wouldn't really be able to move kind of couch locky. I could move if I really needed to, but I think that I would just get very comfortable. You know, I I would find that one position that I didn't really want to move from and I would just kind of 
settle and melt into that spot. And that was kind of uh, what I was thinking for this stream. For the smoke, uh, did you said you had this out of a joint. How did that go? It was phenomenal, actually. This uh, the done stuff. I've been enjoying the most of it through the vape, and the it's we've we've alluded to this before when we review we reviewed the Dun Island Pinkhead. But the the quality you can tell in the smoke in the vape on these, and I'm pretty sure that's why you're asking me this is that you're just feeding me this line because you, you're going to agree. But uh, basically, that this it was just silky, silky smooth in the joint. Uh, I hadn't rolled a joint in a while, like I said, and uh, threw one up with another pasta filter, and it just. It, I think I just nailed the roll and uh, beautiful white ash, the oil ring, the whole way down. Fantastic joint all around. I, I couldn't say enough about the quality of the smoke or the vapor for this one. Just silky. You can just tell, right? There are certain certain producers when the cannabis is grown correctly and grown well that it hits your tongue and you know the difference between that and something that wasn't. You just can tell. And yeah. I, it, this this was definitely hitting that mark for me. I am really embarrassed to say that I didn't roll this up in a joint, but I had a shit ton of it out of the bong. Um, uh-huh. Earlier in this episode, I alluded to the fact that I've been using my bong a lot more. I think it's just because it's cold as shit outside. So um, when we smoke the bong, we kind of like huddle around our garage door and just blow the smoke out the door. <laughs> but uh, obviously, if I'm smoking a joint, I don't really want to smoke it in our garage area. So I'll normally like sit out front on the step or something. I haven't really wanted to smoke outside that much because it's been cold. So I haven't been having as many joints lately but i but most of the things that you're saying about this smoke i can confirm with the bong as well in fact i i had loaded this up with a, a freshly cleaned bong with a fresh filter with my mouthpiece in addition to some hemp wick and uh when i had done all of these things to to make the experience um that much more enjoyable i would say that this was some of the smoothest stuff i've smoked as far as like Haley had smoked some of this and she had, you know, breathed out the the smoke and had gone, holy fuck, that was smooth. <laughs> so, yeah, I can attest to what you're saying here. A nice, beautiful white ash in the bong once it was done, too. My goodness, this is some quality weed. Yeah. Out of the vape. Yeah. Nice, silky, smooth vape as well. I had no issues there. There was, uh, with in combination with the bud cups, like we've talked about, I think that there is a bit of improved airflow with these bud cups. So I think it kind of lended to uh, a little bit more of the vapor quality there as well. But uh, I was getting that cushiness, that sweet cushiness for, I don't know, three or four pulls. And uh, then it just kind of turned into a more of a, more of a, an intense cushiness, but uh, the flavor lasted quite a bit in the vape is what I'm trying to say as well. Yeah. I have nothing but good things to say about the things that we've tried from done. The Island Pinkhead was really nice. This Carmen was really fantastic. I see that they've got their screw head right out right now, which is uh Chemdog 91 crossed with SFV OG, OG Kush. And I am drooling at the prospect of trying that because those are two of my favorites and seeing them together must be a beautiful baby. The cool thing about done cannabis is that they have like a shit ton of their own in-house genetics like a shit ton. So we're going to be seeing a lot of cool shit, I think, come from Dunn. They're definitely one to watch, and they're definitely going to be on the buy list. We've had a lot of fun interactions on social media with uh, Logan Dunn as well, the, the guy who is behind Dunn Cannabis and Fire Cannabis. So, um, yeah, we're really stoked to see more things come out from them in the future with their uh, fancy genetics. But for now, I would definitely say that karma is a buy given that we're talking about the craft range. Don't know if we can say that it's something that can go into the regular rotation, but that 
screw head one, I'm worried that that one may have to be part of my rotation in the future. It'll be forced into the rotation, whether you like it or not, just based on your enjoyment of it. You know, it's just some things you, some of those cultivars just hit the spot and I'm, I think that one is going to be um, hitting it for me, but we'll see. Right. Gotta try it first. Beautiful. Well, I have nothing here to add. You basically nailed my conclusion word for word. So I think that wraps up real nicely, Joel. Thank you very much for that. Uh, looking forward to see more from Dunn in the future. Like Joel said, they've got some funky genetics and uh, I'm, I'm excited to try out this Screwhead and, and other offerings from them as well in the future. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Adult Cannabis Enthusiast Podcast. Uh, we're so excited that everybody is sticking around with us um, and enjoying the content that we've been putting out recently. So thank you everybody for sticking with us here. Um, if you want to check us out on social media, again, we are at a cannabis pod on both Twitter and Instagram. We don't really deal with any other social media platforms, but uh, if you want to check um, out Percy's grow room, I'm available on there as well now, but uh, I don't post very often. I just kind of check it out for the grow room content. Uh, if you're looking for alternative means to listen to us, we are available on Apple and Google podcasts, as well as uh, Spotify and podcast addicts. Thanks again for listening and take care, everybody. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time.